Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz vibraphonist Chuck Redd. He opened up about his latest 2019 CD called Groove City with a stellar group of musicians playing a variety of deep grooves ranging from hard swinging to bossa nova and even the blues. So he started recording and touring the globe when he joined the Charlie Bird Trio at the age of 21, a huge learning experience. He also performed in a concert with Dizzy Gillespie's Quintet in Africa for a celebration and a recital at the White House with the great Barney Kessel Trio. And he also was in four concerts at Carnegie Hall with Mel Torme and his quintet, and he appeared on The Tonight Show. This guy's been all over the place. He's been on 25 European tours and six tours of Japan. He's an award-winning cat, and these days he's busier than ever and full of stories. So please dig this interview. Okay, Chuck, thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Great to be with you, Joe. So let's start off here with Groove City, another great album you've put out. And I want to know, what was the artistic vision with this project? I kind of talked about this in my liner notes. I I wanted to make an album with a kind of a gritty urban feel, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, uh, and also a recording that kind of encompassed a lot of the different um, grooves and rhythms that I'm comfortable playing and that I've that I've uh, been involved with through the years. So there's some straight ahead swing, there's uh, some bossa nova, there's a little funk, there's some samba, and and also I think the nature of the of the compositions range from uh, kind of a very straight ahead standard like all or nothing at all and and a Billy Strayhorn classic flowers a love some thing to a couple of Monty Alexander tunes, which have a uh, uh, a sophisticated but very accessible uh, harmonic structure that kind of that kind of um, reflects maybe an eclectic kind of uh, feeling, you know, as far as as far as uh, the genre and the and the and the feeling. Talk to me a little bit about your childhood. Where were you born and raised, and how did you get into the jazz realm? So I was born and raised in the Washington, D.C. area in Silver Spring, Maryland. My parents uh, were both big music fans. Neither of them played music professionally. My father was an amateur saxophonist in school, but he worked at Voice of America as as an engineer for many years, was in radio all of his life. And he just loved swing, big band, bossa nova, novelty recordings, all kinds of interesting music. And so there was music playing around the house all the time when we were growing up. They had been friends with some musicians. My mother and father had been. And so my brother Robert and myself kind of fell into it naturally. Music was always associated with uh, fun and uh, excitement and joy. And when we started getting serious about it, uh, our parents encouraged us. So it was really, it kind of happened very naturally. It, It just felt like, I can't. I honestly cannot ever remember a time where I didn't want to play music, and where jazz wasn't part of it. It was even though I took some forays into into the, um, you know, kind of the pop music world when I was in high school. You know, listening to that kind of music and everything, of course. But jazz was always there. I I was listening to swing music when I was a kid, and then I got into Buddy Rich, and then Max Roach, and Clifford Brown, and and then. Uh, a teacher played a Milt Jackson recording for me when I was in high school, and that changed my life. I heard the vibes, and 
in that context and I and I said I just had to had to play the vibraphone. <laughs> so that kind of that's kind of how it happened and then I got a big break when I was 21 to go on the road with Charlie Bird. That that's when my career kind of started to take off. Why do you love the vibes? What's so beautiful about the vibes to you? It's hard to describe. I think it goes back to that recording of of Milt Jackson even though I don't try to play like him consciously. I probably did at one point. It was the feeling that he was able to draw from the instrument. And in retrospect, I have to say, I think because the vibe, the vibraphone is a, it's inherently a cold instrument because it's, it's, you know, it's metal and you strike it with a, with a mallet, uh, unlike, you know, caressing a string on a guitar or breathing into a wind instrument, it's, difficult to be expressive on the vibraphone unless you really, really want to <laughs> and you really feel it. And I felt that coming from Bill Jackson. I think he was perhaps the most expressive vibraphonist ever. Uh, there have certainly been other exciting vibraphonists and virtuosic vibraphonists, and we all know who they are, you know, Lionel Hampton and Gary Burton and Red Norvo. But Milt had a way of, you know, even drawing the blues out of the vibes. And that's, I think that's what grabbed me, just that, that just really moved me in a deep way. And so that's what I try to do. I try to be, I try to uh, just express a song, you know, or some composition or the blues or, or a bebop tune through the vibes. And it's just kind of part of the soundtrack of my life. It's almost hard to describe. But that's the best I can do, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. So at such a young age, being with Charlie Bird had to be huge. What did you learn from him? Uh, I learned a, a great deal about professionalism and consistency of performance. He rarely, if ever, had a an off night. Uh, if he was troubled by anything or if he was feeling less than confident, he never showed it. He turned that switch on as soon as as soon as we got on stage, whether it was in a small club, in a in a small town way out of the way, you know, maybe in Alaska or wherever, uh, or whether it was on stage at Carnegie Hall. He was on, and he was consistent, and he was and he was uh, charming, and he was a gentleman. I thought when I worked with him, <laughs> I thought perhaps everyone I'll work with will be exactly like that, and that's not really true, uh, even though I've had the great fortune of working with many wonderful musicians and great people. For the most part, that's how it's been. But Charlie was an exceptional person because he really, he was an even-keeled person, and I feel like I've I've been like that. Yeah, I just... You know, I learned a lot from him and also from Barney Kessel and Herb Ellis about the bandstand being almost almost sacred. You know, when you go up there, you can you can be humorous and 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 bring the audience in with your patter and whatever. But you have to take the music very seriously. And I think that that also come, it feeds you as a musician as well. So I learned a lot from Charlie. You know, as you mentioned, you play with a lot of big names in the world of jazz. You've been all over the world. Is it always, to this day, still a thrill to get on stage? Is there always that adrenaline and that desire to get something new out there? Absolutely. And I'm still learning. I just turned 60 in last September. Uh, I don't feel it, and I hope I don't act it. 
my wife would probably tell you I don't act my age, but I no seriously, I really I I love it every single time, and it's and it's still it is very exciting. In fact, I had a, a wonderful experience just two days ago. I played in Norfolk, Virginia, at Old Dominion University with uh, the great Houston person, and we played at the university, and and the audience was comprised of many students there, young students, and they loved it. And we were just up there swinging, you know, we were we were doing Houston's thing, which is just right down the middle, playing standards, ballads, shuffles, just, you know, toe-tapping, 4-4 swing, and these kids loved it because it was, they could feel that we were breathing a sense of importance into it, and we were excited and having fun, and... I, I'm I'm convinced that that will always communicate if it's done right, and uh, it doesn't. Jazz music does never has to live in the past. It's it's something that's it's in the moment. It's right now. It's personal, even though the even though the history can be part of your playing, you can you can make it very contemporary. Right, you know, anytime you perform. So yes, I get excited every time I go up to play. So are you happy with where your career is right now? Very happy. This may be the busiest year I've ever had in my life. I've got many exciting things. Of course, the new recording, Groove City, and it's doing quite well, and I'm getting great reviews and and uh, even selling them. <laughs> you know, in this, in this day and age where CD players are becoming a thing of the past, uh, um, they're selling online, and my wife is helping me sell them. And um, and in case you don't have a CD player for your listeners out there, I'll be happy to sell you a CD player as well. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, seriously, it's the you know yes, and you can download it, of course. But but the CD is doing great. My schedule is completely booked until the end of the year, and actually up until around late February of next year. It's kind of everything is just full. I've had to turn down. Some really exciting gigs because of that. I, I got a call to play with John Pizzarelli at uh, Birdland, and I had to turn that down, which is, is a shame. But uh, it's because I'm it's because I'm musical director for a festival in Oregon, the Oregon Festival of American Music. Just all kinds of great things. I've got a gig with Monty Alexander coming up at his festival, which is in uh, on Labor Day weekend. So yes, everything is going great. Everything's going great, and it's yeah, I'm really happy with as to where things are right now. You know, you've performed with a lot of people that a, a lot of jazz fans would love to have seen at some point in their lives, like Dizzy Gillespie. But my question to you is, what was one of the first jazz shows you ever witnessed that really inspired you? It was probably seeing the Count Basie band when I was in high school. And once again, <laughs> so I have so much appreciation for my father, Kay Red. You know, it was just... Uh, so wonderful that he exposed Robert and me to this, you know, this kind of thing. But he took took us to see the Buddy Rich band. He took us to see the Count Basie band when we were, yeah, in high school or maybe even a little younger. And that was incredible. And I remember Sonny Payne, the great drummer, was back with the Count Basie band. He had left uh, in the in the early 70s, I believe, maybe even late 60s. But he came back with the band for a short period. So he was there and throwing his sticks up in the air and spinning his sticks around, but still never missing a beat. 
and that was exciting. My eyes were on him. Then I saw the Buddy Rich Band also maybe even the same year they came through, and that was extremely exciting because I was seeing Buddy Rich on television, you know, on the Johnny Carson show and whatever. But so those those two performances changed my life. And then the first time I saw Milt Jackson, he was playing with the Monte Alexander Trio with uh, John Clayton on bass and this hotshot young drummer named Jeff Hamilton, who uh, has become a, a great friend. I couldn't figure out who to watch. Jeff or or Milt, you know. So I was I was I was just knocked out with that, and um, and I spoke to Milt a little bit, but I was that really, I I it was like taking a thousand vibes lessons just sitting there and watching Milt when he played a club here. He actually played in my hometown of Silver Spring, Maryland. So that was those were amazing, amazing uh, life changing experiences to see those kind of people up close, right on. Why do you love yeah. jazz? Well, I associate it with joy and love and happiness, and it just—it just—I have a visceral reaction to the rhythm and to the harmonies. It's really something that's been with me my whole life, and if not to get too grandiose, but I think it's with all of us. You know, if you grew up in the in the, in the U.S., I think even if you grew up listening to R and B, uh, gospel maybe even country music uh but definitely any of the uh you know any of the mainstream pop music it's in there this the swing beat is kind of it's all in there someplace uh and sometimes it's kind of very obvious and sometimes it's kind of buried in there but but that that feeling is in in a lot of popular music in the United States and i think it's in our blood as as people, you know, when I play in Europe and I play in Japan and other places, it's amazing how supportive they are of jazz music and how well you get paid when you go there. But I'm not sure the feeling is the same. Same, you know, I'm not sure if they react as viscerally, but it's it's in us. So you know, even in hip hop music, you feel a little like jazz beat, you know, and uh, it's just it's. It's in most Western music. It's in reggae. It's in everything. So I can't help but love it. I really can't help but love it. It's just, it's part of me. One of the other life-changing experiences was when I played, I played two concerts with uh, Ray Brown and Monty Alexander and Herb Ellis, and, and Herb was like an uncle to me, and uh, Monty became a great friend, and, and Ray was really nice to me. But when I was about 27 years old, I played with, with those guys, and that was like taking a ride on a magic carpet as far as the, the groove and swinging and, and feeling the depth of what jazz can be. Uh, again, back to that visceral feeling of, of swinging. And that was an amazing feeling. And I remember, you know, to, to, to paraphrase Barney Kessel, if you've ever felt that before, why wouldn't you want to feel it all the time? And that's that's kind of how I feel. It's just it's a very special thing and it's uh <laughs> it's it's worth it's worth many hours of therapy to be able to, to play jazz and to feel jazz. It's it's like uh it feeds your soul. My final question to you is this everyone has an interpretation or a version of who they think you are. Your family, your friends, your fans, but you know yourself best. So tell me who do you think you are? 
How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, I think I'm someone who had a little bit of talent and worked very hard because I really, really loved this thing, you know, all these things we're talking about, um, making making music, playing jazz. And I think that passion is sometimes more important than, you know, uh, whatever, you know, huge talent that, that certain people have. I think the passion drives you to get up every day and practice and work and grow and learn and I'm still doing that all the time. Uh, every single day I practice if I'm home or if I'm, you know, if I can access my instruments. So I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm at this point I have something to say musically. Uh, I don't think I'm an innovator, but I don't think most people are innovators. Uh, I think I'm, I'm someone who, um, uh, was formed from all the music I've heard and listened to and the person that I am. I try to be kind to people and try to uh, bring a little bit of joy into people's lives when I play. And I think that's what we're all trying to do as musicians. Yeah, I, that's kind of it. You know, I feel like uh, it's it's very important to, to, to remain humble and to keep learning. And that, that keeps you going. Wonderful. That's a great answer great way to wrap everything up chuck thank you for the music thank you for your time i really appreciate it man thank you very much joe i really appreciate it thanks for listening and tuning in to another neon jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in washington dc kansas city and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz and thanks to chuck for his class his music and his time if you want to hear more interviews go to famous interviews with joe domino on the itunes store visit neon jazz at youtube.com and for everything neon jazz go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.